Hello and welcome to The Slow Reader, a podcast about books. I am Steve, and uh, with me today is a special guest. This is, uh, I've got Patrick with me. I, I like special guests. It's like uh, a guest guest reader. That's very nice, yeah. Um, Patrick is, uh, well, I, I was a guest on Patrick's podcast last year. Uh, you, you've had a, a, at least two podcasts in the past. I don't think you're running them now, but... Uh, you are currently a co-host of uh, the podcast Consume Us. Is that right? Mm-hmm. The, perfect. All right. And, and that's with Andy Smith, right? Yes. If my co-host Andy Smith said he would call it Consume Us, but that's not how he'd say it, right? <laughs> well, I think say. he'd also say he's always right, right? So. <laughs> he, he, honestly, he is right 80% of the time. <laughs> I, I haven't uh, caught up to all your episodes yet, but I, I think I've got three left in the bank. But uh, one of the ones that I listened to recently, I told you, was the Awkward Conversations episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, and the reason why I mentioned that specifically was because I'm, I'm really hoping that today isn't one of those awkward conversations. Because, like, no, I, I don't think so. I, I am not a conversation leader at all. Like, in, in public, it's, I'm, if we're in a bar with a whole bunch of friends, I'm usually the quiet one. <laughs> I don't know how you can sit down, even if it's for 15 or 16 minutes, and record just off your notes to yourself speaking in the microphone. I, I tried that before at the other podcast. I found that to be the most cringy, painful experiences. My hat's off to you and do, doing this. I couldn't do it, even for like that five-minute uh, movie one. Like, there's no way. Like, I would stop and re-record myself a hundred times. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Well, I I do start and stop a lot. I just like do oh. some some editing, but. Uh, it's it's taken a while to get used to it, that's for sure. But um, I just I, I I'm still like I said I'm still getting through to your your podcast and trying to catch up. But like, how often do you record? Like, is it weekly? All right, I'm gonna, this is Wizard of Oz. I'm gonna pull back the curtain. <laughs> like this is this has been an ongoing project for a year, and so we have a backlog. I think of a dozen episodes. Oh, awesome. And then, yeah, and then the idea is anything, something like yours included and, and five other people will be on not this upcoming uh, podcast, the a future podcast, the first listener uh, voicemail email podcast. Nice. So once in a while, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll jump something when it's quote unquote topical. We try to stay evergreen, but you can probably tell by some of the things we say it's not evergreen. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I think we, we, we've ended on a bi-weekly format. So every Sunday morning, we try to match it up because he's five hours ahead in uh, Chester, England. Uh, right on the, uh, the, the, right, there's Wales. No one can see me because it's a podcast. And then Annie's in Chester. And so we try to do it Sunday mornings. Um, but we usually try to bang them out. If we miss like three weeks in a row, back to back. So bi-weekly is when I would say we record. But we really cheated awesome. like a 12-episode lead. Hey, that's 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 cool, isn't that like the uh, podcaster one hundred and one? Uh, always start with a, a bank of shows or something. I, I could have learned that five or six years ago. I've been a more sane person. Oh gosh, well, I, I do a podcast with my brother about uh, the Blue Jays, and we started with zero episodes in the bank. You can't really do a sports podcast with uh, it's tough to do with banked episodes. Uh, well, okay, I let's just get into it. So I, I asked you on um, originally. I was thinking. There was at one point I needed like a an emergency co-host for this baseball podcast because mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't sure if my brother was going to be available. It turned out he was, um, but I think either way the timing for us wasn't working out. So I thought, well, I I still want to uh, do a an episode with you because like 
what we did last year we had a we talked about baseball last year on your podcast uh, almost educational and i had i had a great time doing that that was fun oh i love i love any baseball talk i could fit in i'm very happy it doesn't have to be like it could be like you know what we did just making things up on the fly of recreating leagues or just i mean i could have an episode people really hate me it would just be like do you remember this guy you remember this guy? <laughs> like well, he was great, right? It would just be talking about like American League players that bounced around the league from like 1992 <laughs> until present day. Oh, this guy was great. Whatever happened to this guy? That show, uh, I, I would love that. I, I think you know. I think there are shows that do that. So uh, that's no. that's not too far off. Why'd base. you say that? I thought it was my idea. <laughs> I wrote that down in my composite notebook uh, before we started. Um, so, but the, so the the idea that I came up with was so we we're both readers of of various. Uh, well, you're a big comic book reader, but I I know that you're. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're well read otherwise. Um, but uh, so I thought, well, I have a book podcast. So why don't we? talk about some books like and so the idea i had was let's both pick a recording date we'll pick a recording date so that was today and then we'll both try and finish a book that we've been reading for a while and wanted to just push ourselves to to get through and then whether we finish or not we'll record on the day and and we'll and we'll talk about it so uh so that was that was the idea and i think we both finished our book right yes uh I'll, i'll get to the Yes. Yes. I'll say yes. Yes. <laughs> well, why don't uh, why don't we get into it then? I will. Uh, I will let you start since you are the special guest. What book did you read and finish? So, I have a real sickness. I start. I typically start two to three books, and they're on my nightstand uh, at a time, and I will jump around with them. And the older I get, I find it more difficult to stick with fictional narratives and and keep them all in my head, even if they're wildly different genres, I, I just struggle to keep it in my head. Um, but I usually have a nonfiction book and a fiction book going. And my fiction streak has been really good. Maybe five days to seven days, I can finish something, you know, big and meaty, 300, 400 pages. For since COVID lockdown, which would have been a year and a half ago, I have had this book. It's nonfiction. It's a film studies book called Folk Horror. Hours Dreadful and Things Strange by Adam Scoville. That sounds actually kind of cool. Oh, it's like, no, I can't get, it's very cool. He's a great writer, but I have picked this thing up and read two or three pages of it and found myself stopping and either Wikipediaing or putting on like a <laughs> list of something else to get from the book and just deviating from it constantly. So that's the book. Uh, before I, I kind of get into what stopped me and how much I liked it, um, it's slim too. It's the crazy. It's like I think it's 234 pages. It's not very long. Um, but then, like it's probably like the writing is is hard to get through. It's like it's dense, even though it's it not a thick book. You're giving me like beautiful excuses for why I have not gotten this book as if this is like a really academic book, but it's written for laymen. So it's really easy. Like there's no, there's no film studies descriptions in here. There's no esoteric um, historical references to like the English civil war that really slow me up. It's, it is dense though. I mean, he, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of three things that I like, like the folk horror. Like I love, I love horror. I love monsters with rules um, I love any stories of like crazy stuff in there and the book just does such a great job of the, the, the spine of it is 
three stories um, that are adapted into films, The Wicker Man, Blood on Satan's Claw, and then Witchfinder General. And when I sat there and I was like, oh, cool. Like, so I know those three movies. I've seen each one of them a ton of times. And then this is going to be some kind of literary analysis on them that adds, you know, historical um, aspects to them. Uh, maybe gives like factoids. I kind of leaf through it. That's not bad. I was so wrong because <laughs> there is a sum- there's a summary of it. Then there is his analysis of it. And then he has seven or eight comparative stories, uh, films or TV series that he does like many little reviews on it. It's like um, – those Russian nesting dolls where you pull them apart. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Oh. And so every page is just full of information that you stop and go, wait, what? I never even heard of this. And I catch myself going back and he references stuff back into it. And every time I pick the book, I'm like, this is 200 plus pages. How is this so difficult to get through? It took weeks to get through 20 pages. And then when I was finished, honestly, Steve, I, I couldn't remember anything that happened in it. So I like I I should have went back and looked at it. And then I, the last ten pages are just dense, dense footnotes with appendixes, like where you can find all of this stuff, circa 2017, because some of it's like way out of print. So it was a wasn't a, like a slog to read through, but it was like reading and falling down little cul-de-sacs where I got stuck on stuff I never heard of. Or I did, and I didn't know what it was really about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so it's like, it's even, yeah, I, I think I've read books like that before, where it's like, it, yeah, the sub the book itself is not super long, but then you get interested in other things when you're reading it, right? Yeah, like, it, no, I completely understand. Yeah, and one of the cooler things he does in the book is um, there are little anecdotes he frames in within it that he'll tell you, the history behind something. So like one of them are, uh, there's a story about a ghost story. Uh, I think it's whistle and I'll come whistle and I'll come. I don't really remember what it might be whistle and I come, but there's this myth in the story about these three cursed Saxon crowns. that If they're ever dug up, um, England will fall. Well, I've read that story before. I know that like that folktale within the story. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's probably some, you know, old pickish thing that the saxons you know stole no it's made up like whole cloth and there's like a story within a story and like they're only a paragraph but you it feels like he's pulling back like like stuff on an onion and i just fell down a rabbit hole with it i'm really happy (laughs) i finished it but i don't remember any of it because it's so friggin' dense (laughs) well like that's the kind of thing where i feel like if i were to instead of going and looking up the stuff i would like you know my preference would be Okay, I'll stop, make a note, I'll look it up later, but then I'll forget to look it up later. <laughs> like, that's yeah, the exactly, other problem. Yeah. Oh, I, one of my bad things when I read nonfiction is I used to take my phone and, like, screenshot stuff and then organize <laughs> it to look later. And I looked through my phone, like, why, why are these pages screenshot? Delete, delete, delete. Because they're not labeled or anything. It doesn't make any sense, like, whatsoever. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a really well-written book. It's got so many crazy ideas in it. Um, there are these terms called psychography, hauntology, um, cursed topography, but they're all sound like they're pseudoscience of the same thing, but they're not. And they're like layered in within the story that he's like, this is a story of psychography and hauntology. And then hauntology is like the essence of stuff is burned into the stones of an area. Oh, okay. And then he goes in to explain how 
that fits in with Wicker Man, and that's why there's palm trees in Scotland. And you're like, what the? Like, it, it's it's such a it's a weird and wild book, um, but it, it it perplexed me for a year and a half to get through it. Well, I I don't know. That sounds like something I would probably read. Like, I'm. It's not something that I think I would like see on the bookshelf and say, oh, I'll pick that up and buy it. But if you know, like what you just said, like you've described the book and said what it's about, I'm like, oh, that actually sounds really cool. I I should go and look it up and see, like I don't know, check check it out from the library or something. That's exactly what I did. I, it's it's pretty pricey. I don't know what it would be in Canada, but in the states, the the paperback is. I think like 50 plus, um, but I got it from the public library for, you know, free, obviously. Um, but it is, um, the design of it's beautiful. Like it's laid out like a dummy. I realized after I read it, I could probably read it like a map and just go through and have to read it sequentially. You could just, you know, pick out stuff I liked and gone back and reading it. Um, and it is, uh, like I said, it's something you can just pick up without knowing anything about film studies, anything about the concept of what like folk horror is, like horror, like rural horror or horror within the land, uh, and, and not, know nothing about. Primarily, he does talk about continental Europe and East Asia a little bit, but the idea of um, uh, cursed lands, and you know, it's mostly like urban people stumbling into rural areas they weren't meant to be and then messing with primordial forces that come back to bite them. Yeah. I, I, so what was the name of the author again of that one? Adam Scoville. S-C-O-V-E-L-L. V-E-L-L? Okay. V-E-L-L. Yep. That is a, that is not how I expected Scoville to be spelled. <laughs> Oh, I'm definitely probably mispronouncing it too. It's S C O V E L L, so I like, could definitely be. I would have I would assume it would be like S O V I L L E, but I don't know that that could be a regional accents thing. I don't know. There we go. It definitely could be. Well, if I was smart, I would have listened to him say his own name, like I typically do. And I don't know how to say someone's name. They did not, so don't know for sure. All all good. So overall, though, like let's let's give it a a, a rating out of five. That's usually what I do. Okay, um, I would give it. It's his first book. He's passionate about the project. I could tell when I when I finished it. I okay. There was a moment when I got about halfway through, and I think I set it down in disgust and anger because it felt like someone had taken all their notes, passionately put them in there, and I was reading someone's notebook, like and discerning how to get through it. Because I was reading it start to, you know, cover to cover. So if I if I sat back and looked at it instead as something where I use the, the appendix in the back and then the table of contents in the front as a menu to pick where to go, I would give it a four out of five. Um, he, he needs some room to breathe. Like every entry does not have to be jammed full of factoids, he knows, uh, because it becomes exhausting to read. And you find yourself looking stuff up a lot. I feel if it was like two volumes or there was one volume only dedicated to stuff from the 70s and then near the end of the book where he expands into modern day, it would have been better. But four out of five, uh, I would have loved two volumes where there's a little bit room to, for things to breathe. And I'm not I feel like I'm getting mopped over the head with huge info dumps of blocks of text on, you know, uh, uh, Essex and uh, recordings within stones. Uh, so you read it, you read it as the physical book then, right? You didn't, it, 
Oh, you know, I also. I was just see. A, I was just wondering when you mentioned like clicking around on the on the table of contents. Like, would this have been better as an ebook? You, I, I, I ended up running it in both formats because I was reading it um, while I was working remotely at school and it was really boring. And I had like t- time to like pull up my uh, uh, Kindle and kind of leaf through it. I found it to be easier to navigate that way because my physical copy, I kept running from the library, running from the library, and I ended up buying like one that was used in a books that was all torn apart. Um, I had like little tabs in it all over the place, and online would have been much easier to read. I think it, if you bought it as an e-publication, yeah, it would be it would be way better to navigate. Well, I will. I'm definitely going to look this up in the library and hope that they have the e-copy of it. But uh, you said it's 2017, so they might. I don't know. They, they definitely should. I, they, they did. I mean, I, I got. I, we have a dual option with ours, and at one point, because I checked the book out three times from the library <laughs> over that period until I finally broke down and bought a, like a dog-eared, torn-up copy from a local university on a books. Um, there is an option where they give it to you ebook uh, wise. And I just never used it. And then finally, when I was stuck at I was stuck at school one day without my physical copy on my hour and a half lunch, I was like, oh, yeah, I have access to this. And I started looking at it on there, but it still didn't make it go any quicker. All right. Uh, before I get to my book, you did tell me – you asked me at one point, did it? Did the book that we read have to be fiction or, or can it be nonfiction? So what was – I just want to know. You don't have to do a report on it, but what was the other book that you read? I'm curious. Okay, I'm really, really, really glad that uh, we did not go with the fiction option because that, that one I did not finish. <laughs> a book, this again, much like this one, um, it was. Uh, I, I, I say the the title wrong every time. I think it's No Good Indians. There we go. The only good Indians. I keep wanting to call it the the no good Indians. The only good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, uh, which is a horror uh, novel for sure. It's well, it's not really a novel. It's a it's a series of novelettes turned into a horror novel that links them all together uh, okay. about native people in modern day. Um. I don't want to give too much away because it's a very good book uh, <laughs> in the Dakotas that are well, this is not this is spoiled right away. There's a curse in the beginning that comes back to get them for this this entity that needs to be paid. Uh, but maybe is that true or not? Uh, we don't know. Uh, and they're all native characters, and they are told in like a series of vignettes. Okay. And I tore through the first half of it, and then again, without spoiling it, there's a there's a point where I said, "Oh, I don't care about these people." <laughs> and I, stopped reading, <laughs> I stopped reading the book because it went away from the central characters I really enjoyed to these other characters, um, and I just didn't finish it. Okay, it's, uh, well, that yeah, that awesome. sounds interesting to me too, though. Um, I I have definitely added some uh, indigenous, well, by indigenous authors uh, mainly to my list this year. Uh, and I haven't gotten to the fiction stuff. Like the last, I think the last fiction book that I read for from an indigenous author was uh, "Green Grass, Running Water" by Thomas King. Um, I don't know that one. That one is, I think, it's from like 2003 or something. But it's, um, it's, 
the underlying story is it's kind of uh, um, a uh, a retelling of of uh, like the Ark story, you know, like um, mm-hmm. Noah's Ark, that type of thing, like the flood story. That's what I mean. It's a floods, like the telling of the indigenous version of the of the flood story, because like oh, every, that's interesting. Yeah, and I I got it originally because I, from a university course. Uh, it was a myth and symbols class, and that's why it was on the curriculum. And uh, I, I think I never got through it in university, but I read it years later, and, and it's actually like really cool. Like this, this isn't giving anything away, but like um, the the uh, the fiction, like the the main running story, is like intercut with like uh, the coyote and another character. I can't remember which uh, animal it is right now, but like they have there's little like quick one page chapters of the coyote like they're saying oh they're you know trying to tell the story and they get interrupted and, and anyway it's it's uh it's kind of neat like it's a different uh different type of format of a book like there's a running narrative and but then there's the the uh well the coyote is the trickster right so like mm-hmm. there's you know they intercut in the story even though they're not really part of the story it's oh, I like it's that. pretty neat yeah, yeah, it's like um, like the um, like explore. Okay, now, again, without giving too much away, uh, Stephen Graham Jones is uh, of the Blackfeet, and he is an experiment. This is experimental fiction. So if you're going to pick this book up, it plays the narrative like you're describing. Uh, it's the point of frustration for me, for me <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but it's 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 beautifully written. It's just. It was a lot of investment in characters for 190 well, pages. Where I, yeah. I think I think every now and then I like to read a good uh, experimental fiction type of book. So I'll I'll, I'll look it up and see if uh, see if All I right. can find it. I, I keep adding stuff to my list of books to read every, this year. Like I started off with a shorter list and it just keeps getting longer. Anyway, I did get rid of one book off the list. So the book that I read was uh, Michael Crichton's The Lost World. So this is the sequel to Jurassic Park. That's funny. That's a. That's also a book uh, I, I could have used as a perennial that I'd never gotten through. That I started the first hundred pages or so and, and just said, "Oh, enough." So of this. yeah, that's the reason I'm. So the main reason I'm reading this is because I think last year or the year before I read Jurassic Park because I hadn't read that before and I love dinosaurs, so it's easy sell. Um, but I, I thought that. I would want to get like a complete picture of what Michael Crichton saw of the, uh, cause like Jurassic park, the movie and the book, they're pretty different in some places, mm-hmm. but overall they're kind of the same. So, um, I, am, uh, do you mind if I, if I spoil some of this for you? Uh, no, go ahead, please. <laughs> well, um, so it's, uh, it's very different from the movie. Like there's a few set pieces that are the same, like the main characters. So there's, have you seen, you've seen the movie, right? Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. So you know where the movie is like, they send an expedition to the Island to observe. And then there's an expedition that wants to steal dinosaurs to create a theme park. Well, in the novel, it's completely different. So, um, there's a, there's this scientist, uh, who wants to go and observe the Island because he keeps hearing reports of dead uh, mysterious dead animals showing up and like the they don't flat out say it but they're dinosaurs they keep showing up off the coast of costa rica and so he he keeps thinking like oh there's 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 something going on in one of these islands so he's tracking down like figuring out where to to go to observe these animals he's he's like 
you know, single focus, he wants to go and find the lost world, basically. And the other, there, there is another expedition, but it's just uh, three guys. One from, uh, do you remember from, um, maybe, have you read Jurassic Park? Yes, but okay. so long ago that I only remember huge chunks of it, and I guarantee parts of it have merged with the film, too. Okay, but I think the only, uh, the rival company to InGen is Biosyn. Does that I do remember familiar? that, Okay, yeah. so okay. it's three guys from Biosyn. They're going to steal Oh, eggs. that's pretty cool. That part yeah. I don't remember at all, then. Okay, okay, I, I like that. Yeah, so, well, this is in, so, now, the, the reason why I got uh, stuck reading this book for a while was a lot because there are two kids in this novel in the, in the movie, there's just the one girl Kelly, but in this novel, there's Kelly and Arby and they're both, both kids. So it's kind of the same formula as the first book and movie. There's two kids, a girl and a boy. Um, But in the lead up, like there's a very long lead up before they get to the Island. And this is, I think probably where you, stopped and, and threw it away basically yes because there's yeah, exactly there's about. a lot of of setup and and planning that's going into before they actually set foot on this island and the two ki- the two kids arby and kelly they are the most annoying in this opening part so like whenever i got to uh, a chapter where it was primarily them in the novel it's like oh this is this is really a slog like i don't really want to read this like this is you know your standard airport novel right like the chapters are short uh you know not a lot of like in in an ebook format which is how i read it you know when you see the chapter length is oh it's only five pages i'm just gonna breeze through this oh the next one's only four pages i'll just keep going but uh once i hit the the two kids it's like yeah this is this is a bit of a chore but they get better but interrupt you am i I remembering this correctly is there like i think the kids and i I feel like there were four or five pov characters that like the narrative switched from yeah and and the and just what you said that the chapters were short and i never felt like i was i mean i kind of get what you said like an airplane novel and it's a big sweeping epic and you're supposed to get caught up in that but like i some of those books like really I, I get like lost, like like lost in the lost world. Like I, I can't get beyond those characters. Uh, I, I, not, I don't have to latch onto them, but like I remember the kids being super annoying. And I remember there was another scientist or someone or an it's expedition. Probably person Richard Levine. That's that's yeah, the there uh, you go. Yeah. he's the one that is like dead set on getting to this island. So, so okay. So here's what might help other people with the setup. So in the movie. Um, Sarah Harding is, she goes off on her own to this island and, uh, Dr. Malcolm and, and his expedition have to go rescue her. So in the book, uh, I I think what they did in the movie was they merged Sarah Harding with Richard Levine. So Uh, Levine is the one that goes off on his own to the island. Um, he, he sends a radio call to say like help or something. And so these guys all like rush off with their heavy equipment to go rescue him. And it turns out that he, he was just asking for help to figure out how to work the radio. (laughs) But That's um, pretty, that's pretty good bit. But yeah, Levine though, in this one, um, have you ever, have you heard of the Reddit subreddit? I am so smart. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is basically what this guy is the entire novel. Like I think he's easily the most, 
annoying character in the book, uh, like apart from the kids. Is he meant to be? He's meant to be. Yeah, he's supposed to be okay. like super arrogant and stuff. But it's it's just like it when it comes off the page, you just like you kind of just want to punch him. Which it's a lot I of, get. It's, it's the point. Of, <laughs> it's but, a lot of actually. It's pronounced. But look, well, the, hang on. I've, I I actually made notes because if I didn't, I was I was going to forget a lot of this stuff. But there's a point in the movie where Levine says, "Hang on." Um, I lost my page in the notes. Um, oh, yeah. He, he says uh, when they all meet up with Levine early in the novel, he says, everything's turned out well. But just a few chapters earlier, his guide, Diego, was, like, mauled by a dinosaur, and he almost, like, was killed himself. But, like, no, apparently everything turned out well. And then he's also, like, when the uh, raptors are attacking him and the kids in the high hide, he's, like... Arby, I guess, locks himself in a cage and the raptors find a way to take the cage with them to their nest and he's ready to give up Arby for dead. Like, he's dead, let's go, let's leave. It's like, yeah, I do he's remember the biggest being jerk. very abrasive. Yeah, super jerk. Uh, spoiler alert, does he make it to the end? Yeah, he does. Um, uh, I think definitely would. <laughs> of the good guy, but he makes it to the end, but he's like severely scarred. Like, after the raptor attack, where he's it, like, he's one of the ones attacked, he's like, you know, um, you know those characters they just like go blank and they can't do anything. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they people are able to snap them out of it, but um, I I will say though that uh, I preferred the book way like more than the movie. Like really? I like the movie yeah. as 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 on its own, but the book was much better. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. I, I fear like I saw Jurassic Park the original and it held up, but I fear that like Lost World did not hold up. I would say it it doesn't hold up as well as Jurassic okay. Park, but I, I I like it as as uh, as a sequel. It's it's fine. Like it's it's not terrible. But one of the things though that I liked about the book more than the movie was Sarah Harding in the book. Like she was like cutthroat in this in this book. Like uh, so she doesn't actually join the whole group until much later. Like after both. The uh, the scientists like Malcolm and Levine and their group are on the island, and when she actually finds uh, so Dodson, which the other thing by that I hate that he spelled it D O D G S O N. I hate when character uh, authors do that. Um, he meets up with Dodson uh, on Costa Rica, and like he kind of pieces together that she hasn't told anybody that she was going, so he tries to kill her on their way to the island, and somehow she washes up in a cave so she's fine but later in the book they're both trapped under a jeep and there's tyrannosaurs nearby so um she in order to save herself she pushes with her feet dodson out to the t-rexes and the, the t-rex picks him up in it in its mouth and brings him off to the nest like oh that's pretty she's cool. just like yeah yeah, yeah. ruthless I, I like that yeah yeah because i remember the, and like it was uh in the film it, she was much more just like it was Julianne Margulies' character, I think, right? Uh, Julianne was, Moore, yeah. Julianne Moore, that's what it was. She's kind of like uh, bumbling, got herself stuck in, in trouble, kind of like, oh, here we get this, you know, this person who's been in the field a bunch of times as a doctor is somehow uh, yeah, like the worst it, field scientist ever. Exactly. Like, whereas in the book, she's she's uh, rescuing everybody, like all the guys. She are <laughs> helpless, basically. And, well, she, in there, so the trailer scene is in this book, but it's a little bit different. 
Um, okay. But she like basically hauls Dr. Malcolm on her back to climb out of the trailer. And whenever something goes wrong, she's always saying like, it'll be okay. We'll figure it out. That type of thing. And right, you right. Know, in some ways she does. And even like uh, the, the kid characters become less annoying when they're on, on the Island, but Kelly in particular, she looks up to Sarah as a, as an idol and like tries to imitate her. So like that That's kind cool. of relationship was kind of cool. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I just feel like if, if we got, something closer to the book, the movie would have been better, but uh, overall it was, it was really great. I had to pick that one back up. I, uh, I gotta say like, uh, I like Michael Crichton. Well, he's so hit or miss for me. Either I really enjoy what it is or like, I'm like, this is real, a real pile of uh, quickly pumped out stuff. Um, trying to think the last thing I read, probably pray the one with the nanobots. See, I haven't. These are the only two Crichton books that I've read. Uh, um, but I, I did find a couple on a shelf a few weeks ago, and I was, I was looking at it, reading the description, and I was kind of didn't think that they really sounded all that interesting. I think oh, one sometimes was, they they sound interesting, but they're like the 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 yeah. what you're describing, like the character development, is like there's none. <laughs> it's well, just like there, there's there's the all ciphers for people. Like the thing with the I assume is that is with most Crichton novels is that they're basically like um, to hide. Like he puts a story to kind of gloss over that he's sharing his viewpoint. So like he was like Doctor Malcolm's rants about evolution and how human beings are like uh, something about like yeah. He says cyberspace means the end of our species. Like this is Michael Crichton talking through Dr. Malcolm all the way through. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a, without ruining prey, there's a lot of like, um, his critique of technology is like, we should go back to the stone age because this is what happens when you, when you have any type of technology that's that, you know, it's not made anything beyond a computer chip turns into this. Like, you know, there's a happy medium here. It's a bit of a Luddite at the end of it. Like, it's like, I mean, it's, it's like a Luddite rants about, technology is evil ultimately and like you know man has no you know it's it's not it, there's no critique of like man's use of technology is maybe what's right. not great but it's more like the, the the computers we're talking on right now steve they're they're evil they're inherently <laughs> evil and they're in competition with us we can't we can't let them get you know a hold of us and they make us soft and weak too well like, a lot of that. that that is one point that he he does make a point about um I, I've lost my my quote in here, but it's basically something about how like, um, you know, the he calls it the information age, but it's created, it's eliminated global diversity because he ties that into like his his rants about evolution and how like different theories of evolution were actually kind of cool to read through, like mm-hmm. separated from his opinion about uh you know about that kind of thing, but um, he. I I think in that way, like he's kind of right, and this was written in like 1995 or something, and like there, it's true. Like there's there's not very much in, in the way of like diversity. His examples were like you know you go to a McDonald's in one place in the world, it's going to be exactly, exactly the same, the same. In the, on the yeah. other side. But, yeah, so, no, like, that, that homogeny of 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 global uh, capital where everything gets smoothed out. There's no, I mean, it, like you know, especially whenever I travel anywhere in North America, it's very difficult unless like, unless I'm, uh, I mean, nearest thing I could tell is when I go to a place, it's like, um, here in the States that is predominantly like 
Arabic or Spanish speaking and like there's the the language changes on signs or when we were up in your neck of the woods uh in Quebec like the language changes like yeah otherwise man it's the same Timmy Hortons it's the same McDonald's it's the same uh design and layout of how like a suburban uh subdivision is laid out like yeah. it, it's a real sense of disquiet and dislocation yeah, I mean, like, really, the only differences are mostly, like, how people talk, and maybe the way some people do things is different, but otherwise, yeah, everything, it's, it's there's... But even that's so slight, it's, it's yeah. such a slight deviation, I mean, it, it's so weird, I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever, you ever driven somewhere, and you get, like, come across one of those anachronistic towns, where you can tell, like, everything here has solidified since, like, I don't know, like, pre or post war like the 40s and it has that vibe but, but it's not run down like post industrial yeah it's like yeah it, that's always like i'm like man all those towns used to be like this in this area and now not, nothing looks like that whatsoever i mean it just it is a, a flattening i mean the Crichton thing he said it, it's interesting like he has a um he has a critique of stuff that i think is usually pretty interesting like andromeda strain from what i remember it's got a pretty good critique of, um, oh, the idea of, uh, um, it was, uh, that one is a airborne disease, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the, it's it comes from space and there's this like real reckless pursuit of, I mean, you could, you could depend on today's, uh, 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 society of a real, we'll figure this out. Like the, the, it's just, we figure out the flu, we figured out smallpox. There's a lot of yeah. like the hubris of man, you know, compared to like nature, um, you know, nature makes you bend. You don't bend to nature kind of thing. And we, we always have this feeling of we we can, you know, bend nature to our will. It really sounds like, like most of his novels are man versus nature then, right? Like it's a huge part of it, but, th- but then he's got these weird, like <laughs> he gets these weird rants. He's like, very like knee jerk reactionary rants of like, well, the reason why we're we're so uh, reliant on technology because we're all soft and we've grown we've grown soft and if if we weren't such soft people then we'd be fine. But like that's not really the answer. The answer is more like maybe we should you know like put some regulations on these things and and hold those in, uh, in authority accountable for like running wild with with doing whatever they want. But like instead of his is like. It's just because we got weak and we don't we don't we can't fend for ourselves anymore. And I don't I don't know if that's really what the message. It well, kind of veers off sometimes. Especially the older he got, the the more polemic he gets, like <laughs> like old man uh, ranting. Well, uh, I have another book on my list to read this year. I don't have a copy of it yet, but uh, the Terminal Man. And the only reason it's on my list is because it's about a character who has seizures, and the like. I don't know how i think it was when i was reading jurassic park it showed up as uh i think there was like a summary of it in in the book mm. like okay. i found so i think i've told you before i have epilepsy and i was diagnosed did, yes you know a couple years ago now um but i found since then like mention of seizures and epilepsy in the media it's either i'm just noticing it more but it's it's one of those things like it stood out and and I wonder what kind of uh, man versus nature story is going to be in the Terminal Man. Oh, man, I can't. I, I I don't know that one. I can't tell you too. I mean, his solution might be like knowing him. It's either something extreme like 
We'll just jam these uh, circuits in your head. Well, I think that's what the <laughs> that's what the summary is. Like it's to control this guy's seizures. They put something in his in his head or something like some electrodes, not electrodes because that's on the outside, but like something on the inside of his head. Right. Who knows? I mean, like, like it might it might start out I'm just, I'm like same with prey. It starts out like yeah, yeah, I'm with you, and then his solutions to it are like. Oof, I don't like. I don't know if calling a third of the population is, is the is the proper course of action here. We could have maybe just not released the nanos to begin with. That destroyed, you know, the Midwest. I mean, that could really be the solution here. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's funny. It's some. He's definitely an author where you can track his trajectory through his works of a quality and like near the end. There's just wild stuff he pumps out i think the last thing i've read prey was before that timeline's good too if you check out timeline yeah i've heard of, although, I've heard of that one i've heard that one's uh, not too bad for a recommendation yeah, although i do feel that one too like there's a weird moment where he talks about like look at agrarian england we could or france we could just be <laughs> like this again it's like ah well you know i don't know if all aspects of feudal uh medieval europe were great but okay uh, there's some there's some weird stuff like he's goes to the Jags, but the science is pretty like his science is cool. Like I mean, I, I don't know how I feel like he researches stuff. Like yeah, he puts a yeah. lot of research into it. It's not like he's just you know typing things out and and it doesn't sound like he's making it up. Like uh, thirty klaxons are <laughs> just the answer for everything or whatever. Yeah, there is a little bit. Uh, it makes me feel a little smarter. Like oh, I could maybe I'm not a neurosurgeon or I'm not a a, a paleontologist, but I could play one on TV by reading a couple books. <laughs> <laughs> well it's like uh arrested development uh was it michael he plays a lawyer in in school yeah. musical so he thinks yeah. he can do it in real life yeah yeah uh, so can't be that hard can't be lost world just to go back to that i i gave that one a three out of five stars so i guess maybe if we're talking about the movie that probably doesn't reflect too well on the movie if i thought the book was better but um i i think that uh like we're talking we were talking about just now um it does at the beginning it does kind of feel like it was something he just like because the the movie jurassic park was so successful like oh let's you know let's make some more money i'll dash off a sequel but uh once it gets going it kind of it it does tie together pretty well but i i think a solid three stars does it justice three stars sounds about right from the the 80 pages i got into it (laughs) Well, it sounds like your 80 pages is probably like two stars. I don't know. <laughs> it might have been, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, we can we can wrap it up there, but uh, maybe you can tell the listeners uh, where we can find you and, uh, and your podcast Consume Us online. I'll do what I did for the other two podcasts. Um, if you listen to anything uh on any platform i think we're on everything now it was a, it was a battle again apple for a while because I, I didn't image the the resize the image correctly uh that was, <laughs> I hate uh, that that. was my yeah. fault <laughs> that was not andy's fault um but just type in consume us uh the word consume as like eating food and the word us as in a collection of people and then you can find the podcast um the best pitch for it is it is a, an episode where andy and i sit down with some notes we pick a single topic off a huge Excel spreadsheet that we've created. And usually it's pop culture related or cultural related uh, topics. So one might be cyborgs. If you're talking about like terminal man and putting uh, electrodes in your head, uh, <laughs> another one was first contact. 
they're really silly. Like last one we talked about was supermarket talk. Like what's supermarket like in the States compared to uh, the UK? And then we hope you come in being ill-informed to a topic and then you leave being misinformed on the topic. <laughs> That's a tagline we've developed. In the That's show. good. Come I in like Ill- it. Yeah, thank you. Come in ill-informed, leave misinformed. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, if I could suggest a topic, it may be on your spreadsheet already. I don't know. But Please, uh, go ahead. I was going to say just like talk about uh, Sasquatch, but I think you could open <gasps> up to talk about cryptoids in general. Oh, but oh man. Bigfoot we, is now, my favorite thing other than dinosaurs. Honestly, we've I've, I've uh, on my list. There is like a subset of cryptoids on there. Like there's Chupacabra on there. Uh, there is um, Lake Monsters on there. There are werewolves on there that I definitely love. Werewolves or dogmen or any kind of changing beasts. Um, skinwalkers, I think, would fit within that. But I'm going to put Bigfoots slash Sasquatch on there. And and Yeti, I guess, is in the same category. I think. Yeti so would like fit maybe, as well. Maybe yeah. Andy can talk about the Yeti since it's on his his end of the world. <laughs> I would love – one of my favorite things in the show is of what Andy does not know. Uh, because his knowledge base is much more musical based than mind, uh, and, and technology based. Like he knows video games. I don't know anything about video games. And so I feel a lot of times we'll come to the show and I'm very shocked as to the consensus we get. Cause I, I feel I could say, Hey Andy, tell me what you know about Bigfoot. He wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> well, I, I just hope that in future episodes that he, uh, he doesn't try so hard to make you look bad. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like that's uh, that's his favorite thing to do. Stephen, isn't that to try very hard? Uh, <laughs> also, to be fair, if I pull back the curtain one last time, he has edit of the show. He edits the show. So a lot of what's cut out of there is all my likes and ums and my rebuttals where I am correct. So whatever you hear is an Andy version of the product and not my version of what would be at the end. Uh, well... I guess that's uh, that's the power that I have in uh, the podcast with my brother too. So I just that's, that's every now and then right. I'm like, eh, I don't want to keep that in there. Uh, I don't want that taken there. Sorry. <laughs> I will. I'll leave one last thing. I feel like okay. I'm my show too much at the end. Uh, you, <laughs> you, there was we did uh, the sections and bits already about like the the mail show. I do promote that out of the Anglosphere in terms of written and spoken language that the Canadians do it the most correct way, both in speaking and in written of using all the correct U's and their correct uh, using Z's and E's. And then the pronunciations are, are perfect because you don't say aluminum. uh, (laughs) You do say pasta, which is fine because I say pasta too, because I'm from the Midwest and I catch myself saying it all the time. But like it's, all the pronunciations are right, and the U's are correct because, like, it does differentiate so much better. And the E's too. The E's do as well. I, I uh, so I can see that he does not. He may not agree. I don't have editing, so I don't know if he says that. All right. I'm correct or not. But well, I I, I, I will. Uh, I'll stick up for you though on uh, aluminum because I don't. I think Andy uh, is adding in extra syllables or extra letters. Oh my God! There's so many aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> I. I I didn't understand where he was getting that when I listened to that episode. But. Thank you. Like he was, he was like, no, that's not how you say it. He was, he say I was adding syllables to it. Like I can I get the alu part, but it's the yes. alu, the minium. Min- yeah, minium. What, what are you? Well, again, he cut it out. I asked him say like say maximum, I say minimum, and he said minimum. I said now now say the end of aluminum, and he was like. <laughs> 
Minium. I was like, what you, why is it Minium? <laughs> why are you having Minium there? All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining me on this. It's, again, being total, total fun, total blast to have you on. I, I think we should uh, we should try to do this more often than like once a year, but uh, oh, have to I come up with a good idea. It, so yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's half the battle. <laughs> well, I won't cut podcasts uh, off anymore. <laughs> Not reciprocate. Come back on yours. I, I it was like a, a almost educational, just like kind of petered out and ended uh just because we just couldn't do it anymore uh, it wasn't because I, I hated dennis anymore i still talk about dennis constantly but like it just wasn't value uh viable and then it got so long i was like should i do it and i was like now nah, let's cut that thing off and end it so i was glad, <laughs> I, was glad I brought one and then i had this thing in the, the secret one of them in the hopper for so long uh but i'm glad i'm glad you reached out I'm very I, i'm very happy to talk to you yeah no me too and i i think we have like kind of uh, uh more along more or less the same interests so i think there's like some you know, shades in there in between. So that we have different enough uh, things to, that we like. So I think it's good. We can, we can come up with something else again, I think. I, I can always cook up some kind of uh, crazy idea uh, <laughs> where I could force you to read something. You could force me to read something and see how many years it takes us to finish it. <laughs> there we go. It gives us lots of time to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's, I'll, I'll just wrap things up then. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, be sure to check out the Consume Us podcast with Patrick and Andy. Uh, and I will, I will say Patrick is is sometimes right, not Andy always right. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Stephen underscore G. That's uh, P H E N. And of course, I picked the the hardest name to to spell for most people. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>